Welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and thanks for joining me today as I seek to inspire, encourage, and accompany you on the journey towards holiness by sharing food for the head, heart, hands, and feet, all so we may grow closer to God, become more like Jesus, and through friendship, discover the life God created us for, lives of purpose, peace, and abundance, rooted in the hope that with God's grace and mercy, we can become the living, breathing, wonder-working saints that the world so desperately needs today. Hello, and welcome to episode 94 of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. This is Christina Simmons, your host, and I'm so glad that you have joined me today because my conversation today is with Justin Deary, and he's an OSV Innovation Talk speaker, and he specifically spoke about undignified liturgical music. And this episode might not be quite what you are expecting, rather It is really about how can we truly seek authenticity in our music and find that synergy between chant and traditional and contemporary music in which we are actively singing and praying with music regardless of genre at the Mass. So this is the great vision that Justin paints and we got in deep about what does liturgical music that's good, true, and beautiful, what does it sound like? What are the different aspects of it? And then also, how might we be able to move towards this vision in our own local parishes? So if you love any kind of music, this is an episode that you will enjoy, and I know will definitely broaden your minds and also your hearts. Enjoy, and see you on the flip side. Hello, this is Christina Simmons with the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I am so glad that you were able to join me today for this conversation with Justin Deary. And Justin, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself because your background is just phenomenal. Um, and I, I, I don't, I want you to go ahead and highlight the things that you think are important for our audience. But Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Christina. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you, all you listeners who are supporting Christina and her ministry. Um, it's it's a great opportunity. Uh, for those who don't know me, uh, I, uh, I'm a full-time director of ministries, and you might say, what exactly is that? Uh, <laughs> so I oversee at the parish here in Seneca, South Carolina, uh, music, technology, children, youth, young adult, uh, and pretty much anything else the pastor might need it any moment. Uh, it's it's an amazing parish of about 1,600 families, give or take mm-hmm. about 3,000 members, um, which in South Carolina, depending on where you're at, is either huge or small. Uh, and we are uh, in a geographical area of, um, we're the only show in town, really. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I grew up in Rhode Island. Uh, and the, the, the church that I serve here in South Carolina serves the geographical area of Rhode Island, but again, in South Carolina. Wow. So it's pretty big. Uh, I studied uh, music at Rhode Island College, uh, and um, I'm currently studying theology and liturgical music at Notre Dame online, uh, and have been for uh, 
involved in music ministry in some capacity uh, professionally since I'm 18 working for the church. Um, so it's been a long journey. Uh, been blessed to have a lot of people as mentors and, and whatnot, and uh, very passionate about this topic because it's it's a it's a hot topic. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of topics that will get people uh, pretty passionate uh, on, on on various issues, but nothing like liturgical music uh, for a good old debate. <laughs> amen, uh, amen. Uh, I, I so identify with that. I thought it was interesting just to just to kick us off uh, was just the name of your talk to begin with, undignified <laughs> liturgical music, and you know, so people can have all sorts of you know ideas in their head as they're coming to this. But what what brought you to uh, to do this talk and and how what what it was that was really prompting you to want to share this particular message? Simply put, frustration. Mm. <laughs> uh, frustration in in that seeing so many different people have so many different uh, differences of opinions when it comes to liturgical music and. I was given the opportunity by OSV to give a talk on liturgical music, and they said, well, to your, to kind of echo your question, what, what do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. And that was that it's not a this or that only. Mm-hmm. It's an and or. That was the take home. Mm-hmm. And in, in working with, with OSV and, and Doug Tuke on, on the talk, you know, we, we were really struggling on what should the title be, um, and... I referenced King David mm. in the talk, mm-hmm. and I will become even more undignified than this as to better mm-hmm. worship God. And as I said in the talk, in the youth ministry circuits, there's a great song written by David Crowder, uh, which is just a camp fun, you know, mm-hmm. called, you know, Undignified. And that's really where it stemmed from. So I've had many people reach out to me and say, I, I was really put off by your title of the talk, but then I watched it and I understood. So. I don't know if that's clickbait or just an incentive to watch it, but I hope it got the point across uh, because mm-hmm. at the heart of the matter, mm-hmm. if we, if if you let aside your your uh, your your pride, your ego, uh, and you you literally become just purely undignified, like here I am, God, and everything that I am, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm here to worship you. Then the then really it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, and I can hear people going, yes, it matters. Mm-hmm. And, and I would respond to them, Christina, of course it matters. Mm-hmm. But at the heart of it, are you, ha- are you authentic? Are you, are you bringing yourself in a place of just p- pure openness? And sometimes that doesn't necessarily look pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, I'm speaking spiritually, of course, or, you know, abstractly here. But um, that, that's kind of where, where the talk and, and the idea came from. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, you, you, you touch upon, you know, that, that whole idea of undignifying authenticity, and it really uh, is caught in that essence of the paradox of the spiritual life, you know, as, as you were intimating, um, and it's that whole thing of where it's just like, okay, I'm striving to be perfect, you know, and actually, I just did a blog post about this, and, which was inspired by Doug's, you know, Doug Tuke's, uh, you know, talk, actually, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but it's like, I'm striving to be perfect. But yet I know I'm not. And I, I and I think that that really ties into, I think, why this is such a hot button topic is because of the fact that, you know, so many people are like they're desiring perfection, 
within the music, you know, and, and all ways that, that we come, you know, and celebrate, you know, the, the liturgy, all aspects of it. But yet we know that it's imperfect and therefore we're kind of like, well, I can't envision how that could fit, you know, within the context of, of the mass. Therefore, it must not be dignified. It must not fit. And um, so I, I think it all goes to this whole woundedness that we all have of where whatever our experience was, that's going to really determine whether or not we're even open to the height and depth and breadth and length of all of what the musical experience is. And, and yeah. you, know, so. you, you, you talked about our own experiences and how that shapes us. And I, I can tell you that in my own experience, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up and I started playing saxophone in, in the fourth grade and then started learning guitar. My mother was a liturgical musician. She she grew up in the 60s and 70s and the nuns taught her her first three chords. And, you know, mm. she played in that post-Vatican II era. Uh, and so she taught me my first chords. And uh, I had an aunt who was a music director who helped shape. And so a lot of my exposure was, dare I say, you know, of that post-Vatican II, uh, um, that very, very contemporary. And then growing up in youth ministry, whether that was CYO or Life Teen or, you know, a, a very almost slightly charismatic. Okay. Right. And so th those are, those are the things shaping me in my first job as a music director, the pastor was, was more contemporary in his liturgical style. Mm -hmm. um, so at first there was kind of this chip on my shoulder of, well, this is where it needs to go. It must, it needs to be, if you don't like guitar and mass, you, you're just a rad trad as we, you know, <laughs> yeah. forgive me, forgive me if anybody takes offense to that phrase. It's yeah. actually, I mean, it, again, it's, it's, it's and, or, and so over time, as I started learning and, and teaching myself and going to school and, and all of a sudden you start seeing the beauty of 2000 years and you mm. realize that in 2000 years, it, it wasn't just one thing, right? You know, because the musical language if, or the timbre, the color of music changed over 2000 years. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the beauty is because Bach at one point was contemporary. Beethoven yeah. was contemporary. <laughs> we, we forget those things. And mm -hmm. I recently uh, had a conversation where, yes, if all you're playing is Bach and Palestrina, they are rock stars in their own craft. Mm -hmm. But so is liturgical music written in 2020, 2021. Mm -hmm. There are good, solid, orthodox composers writing today uh, that can be played on any instrument. And I think so. And again, I'm getting into more of the technical side of things, but mm -hmm. so often we close ourselves because of those fundamental experiences that we grow up with. That mm -hmm. I only play guitar, therefore I'm only going to play it like this. Or right. I only like this style of music, so I'm not going to open myself up to other things. And dare I say, that's closing the Holy Spirit off. Oh, amen. And so a beautiful thing I, I think that, that you did and you set the table for discussion um, was in drawing on uh, the liturgical documents mm -hmm. of the church, in particular um, you know, so I, I, I liked it. So you're, um, you know, you, you weren't willing to go for the whole Latin all in, but you gave, you gave us, uh, you know, the, the abbreviation, uh, Pope Pius X, uh, I think it was. TLS. Uh, yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, uh, but those three components of, is it holy? 
Is it true art and is it universal? I love how it was that you described those. Could you do that briefly? And then we can, we can keep going, but. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, for, for me, Pope Pius, uh, I ask his intercession just about every day, uh, especially when it comes to liturgical music. Uh, and again, you'll notice too, in the talk, I, I do not really reference any Vatican II documents mm -hmm. uh, for that specific reason that if we're going to, hold hands, we're going to talk about being one community of various liturgical uh, musical styles, if you will, mm -hmm. um, then I think it's important to talk about, frankly, the key writer of liturgical music in the 20th century. And that's that is Pope Pius X. Um, mm -hmm. So when he talks, and this is what I love when and I'm kind of going to go all over the place. So bear with me. Yeah, go for it. Um, but when he talks about universal, which is actually the third quality here, mm -hmm. um, universal doesn't mean that it has to be only in latin only in english only in spanish whatnot but that it is universally understood as being a holy and and universe it, it pardon me that it that it is holy and it, it it leads us vertically up i had a little tongue tie there forgive me that's okay it speaks to us universally that when i hear that when i hear what's being sung played etc I know that this is sacred. Mm -hmm. And I think whether that's on organ, piano, guitar, we know the difference. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would go as far to say that we can tell it's not universally speaking to the congregation if there's a lack of participation, if there's a, more, a, a higher sense that this is performance mm -hmm. instead of worship. Right. You know, and so again, that, that for me is key. And so that ties into holiness. Is mm. it holy? Is the is is the is the musician themselves leading a holy, dedicated life within the sacraments, being orthodox in what he or she believes? Um, which, again, not going down the rabbit hole, but that presents an issue in two thousand years of history in the church: is that we have musicians who may or may not be living in 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 the sacraments, who may or may not be orthodox Christians, um, right. and again not looking to have hot topic here, but it, I think that that does present an issue in how, how are we going to be pastoral if we ourselves do not understand the context of the liturgy and are living it ourselves. Right. Uh, yeah. um, and that's not to say you can't have non-Catholics helping in some capacity, but I, it's so vitally important that those in those roles of leadership understand that they need to be living a life of holiness. Like you said, we're broken, we're sinners, but we need to be striving for, for something great. Mm -hmm. um, and is it true art? Is what we're playing, is what we're doing a reflection of what it is we're entering into, right? So in the context of liturgy, uh, is, is everything we're doing pointing to the source and summit, right? Mm -hmm. Is it leading vertically up? That's the beauty of being Catholic, is that our liturgy is not horizontal. Mm -hmm. It's vertical. Yeah, e Everything's vertical. Uh, yep. And so often we get that, well, I didn't get anything out of liturgy. Well. <laughs> uh, there's a problem there you know it's not about us um so that's just kind of a little little roundabout there yeah and, and um and and i think it was great because you set the table with those three and then you just said very simply bad liturgical music breaks one or more of these qualities <laughs> yeah and i was like that that that's a simple way for us to be able to kind of look at it 
and go, hmm, is this drawing me into a deeper relationship and an appreciation for where it is that I am and who it is that I'm with in the presence of, you know, is it helping me prepare more fully? So I'm, I'm my disposition for receiving the graces that are present are there. And, you know, it, and is it being presented in such a way that it's not distracting me from where it is that I am? Um, and, uh, you know, so, so often, um, I, I think that people will get caught in the, oh, you know, wasn't that beautiful? You know, the, the, the perform and I'm going, yeah, it was if I'm at a concert, but yeah. no, I mean, you know, I should not, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Um, a former pastor of ours. Uh, so our, our youngest, he served on the altar, uh, you know, as an altar server in, through high school. And one of the most profound things that he ever said is he said, you know, to our son, you know, when he's on the altar, your job is to do all things to anticipate in such a way that no one notices you. Amen. And that's the art. Um, and it's like, if someone notices me as I'm up and I'm lecturing, I missed it. Yep. And that's something that so many people really struggle with, but I think it really, you know, ties into music and how music is approached just in general in our society. I mean, because if you, if you play music, it's so everyone can look at me. <laughs> it's, yes. Yes. Which, and there's, there's been a shift there. I mean, you know, music, music used to be a storytelling, a way to pass down tradition, a way to understand things, uh, Music helps us memorize. Music helps yes. us. Uh, again, music helps us pray. Um, and I and I think that's why for me there was an emphasis of saying, if you're a musician in the church and you don't know chant, you best learn it. Mm -hmm. um, and and that that actually is is one of my tools that I that I would recommend to any parish, especially again being in South Carolina, being in Alabama, wherever you may find yourself. Sometimes resources are hard to come about. Mm -hmm. And by resources, I mean musicians, you know, oh, yeah. who practice their craft well, who, again, who are who are being holy, who are leading us into a sense of true art through their music and that it's universal. So what do we have at our disposal that is not dependent on a musician? Mm -hmm. the, the Roman Missal, the Roman Missal has the chant in there and right. the, sh the shepherd of the parish, the pastor, um, whether he or whether he does not sing, pardon me, whether he sings or not, chant chant can be sung by anybody. And yeah, it might take you a month, two months. It's going to feel awkward at first, but it is a valuable resource that we, that I said in the talk, it gets put on a shelf and it gets dusty. Mm -hmm. um, I am not a chant and that's it. Again, uh, I grew up in, in a very contemporary um, liturgical musical background and I love it. Um, but But there are ways that we can enter into the beauty of, of the liturgy with, with just the simplest tool. And that's our voice. Yeah. We forget that sometimes. No, we definitely do. Um, I, I liked the, the vision that you, that you painted for us of, you know, the synergy between chant and traditional and contemporary music and imagining, you know, a, a community, a parish community that's actively singing and praying with that music, regardless of what the genre is. Yep. And I think sometimes what we forget is that it's always a push and a pull. 
of where we're meeting people where they are and engaging them to, you know, to be able to sing and to, and to teach them. But then you're also challenging them just a of, okay, we can do better. And just because we're asking you to do better doesn't mean that this So I got you back there. Yeah, I, I got you back there. Sorry. Yeah, you broke up on me a little bit. Yeah, sorry. No, that's so, fine. Um, but, but I was just saying, I think sometimes it's a push and a pull where mm -hmm. to meet people where they are, but then you're always stretching and saying we can do better. And just because we're saying we can do better doesn't mean what we did was bad before. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the key is, and, and I got into that conversation maybe about a week ago with someone where it, it, it was basically, well, you're telling me everything I've done was bad and wrong. Mm. And, and this comes back to the, the start of the conversation with you, Christina, is that, mm. hey, guess what? W were you striving for holiness? Were you striving for true art? Were you striving to bring forth a universal sense of authenticity? Well, then it's not in vain. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone else perceives it as that, well, again, uh, you, each person is responsible for how they enter into the mass and into worship. And we have to do our, our darndest, our hardest to not be a distraction. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's very difficult for musicians, period. You know, uh, when my wife and I will travel, which is rare and far, these, <laughs> far between these days, uh, we're expecting our fourth. Uh, so do pray. Yes, for I heard. So I was glad we could, we could squeeze in the pot. Yes, yes. For, for those, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, those watching months from now, we will have four <laughs> children by that point. Um, we, we will attend mass somewhere else. And, mm -hmm. and sure. yeah, yeah. So what I was saying is, uh, if we go to a visiting parish or whatnot, uh, she'll pinch me because she knows, you know, I'm analyzing music instead of worshiping. And we're both musicians. <laughs> and she'll give me this pinch. She knows exactly what I'm doing. Um, so again, that's not on the musicians. That's on me. You know? Right. I, I'm allowing myself to be distracted um, in, instead of allowing myself to be fully entered in uh, because I have to hear these words myself, but to God, it's Handel's Messiah. When you have authentic worship with with the 80 year old organist in the parish, that's all the way in the boondocks that that again, they're striving for holiness. Um, and and the, the other side of that is, is that I pray that we have shepherds who will encourage uh, musicians to be trained, you know, that mm -hmm. regardless of their background, that there are conferences, there are workshops, there are podcasts, there are, you know, there are there are non there are non liturgical, but just plainly musical things and tools that they can do to build their craft. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, that's so key. You know, uh, St. Paul talks about it, that we need to sharpen our toolbox. We need to be spiritually strengthened. And, and that happens by, are, are you doing the right? Are you eating right? Are you working out? Are you praying? Are you blah, blah, blah? It's the same thing for musicians. You know, you need to be practicing. You need to know your craft. Um, mm. Because to not give 100% is detrimental to the liturgy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I firmly am convinced that you know, the Holy Spirit as you as you were saying works through whatever it is that we're trying to offer to our fullest extent 
Mm -hmm. um, and uh, is present in order to uplift people, even if we're hitting the wrong chord, even if we're off key, um, and uh, and if we're getting distracted by that, um, then then we have to take steps. I mean, my husband and I, case in point, you know, there was there was one mass, you know, to parish, and you know, it was just like the the music was just a distraction. We kept coming and staying. It's not the music. It's not the music. And then we're just like, okay, we just have to go to a different mass. <laughs> it's just beyond us right now to not be distracted. And. I think I may have lost you, Christina. Educate or... Oh, you, you broke up on me again there. Oh, there you are. Yep, I just left the meeting and came back. So. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> my apologies about that um but it leads into what you were talking about um the three different you know ways that we can try to fix it mm -hmm. um and how did you come up with those you know because you were sharing about david and beautiful story and that was where you're on yeah, you broke up a little bit. I mean, you're talking about King David and the and the three points of of kind of how we fix it, right? Yep, exactly. Excellent. Yeah. Well, the the King David was was really talking about that authentic heart uh, and that place of pride that Saul's daughter has. Uh, and and again, if you watch Jared Zimmer's talk, he talks about silos and and how we find ourselves in these various camps in the church and boy it's not just liturgical music it's everything i mean we, we find ourselves in camps all over the country all over the world uh, in regards to catholicism and so uh, in reading that scripture it just it touched my heart in such a way where i said this this sums it up this this is this is it right here is that pride comes before the fall Mm. And and literally the scripture says is that you know Saul's daughter would be barren for for the rest of her days and you know if you read into that yes okay well she may or may not have been ha having children but if imagine if one soul one's heart is barren mm. yeah. I I mean that's daunting mm -hmm. it's it, that's such imagery there sure. um, and so. You know, when, when I use the phrase educate or eradicate, that's the one that actually I had I had a few people say, you know, I don't know if that, that may have been a little harsh, a little harsh. Uh, well, here's the thing. At the end, you, you talked about you and your husband going to this mass and being distracted. Mm -hmm. And it's like, OK, well, maybe I need to find a different mass. And and that was on your end. You made that conscious decision to say, I need to maybe find a different mass to go to. There is a but, there is a however, right? Is that you can still have mm -hmm. people who are desiring God's own heart, people who are working hard, but sometimes you have to have the hard conversation. And I didn't get to go in, into great, great detail in the talk, but there are moments where pastors or, or pastoral associates, whomever, sometimes have to say, listen, we know that you have a love for the Lord. We know that you desire nothing but to serve. 
we need to find an opportunity where you can best blossom. And maybe it's not in this, but it's over here. And that's a hard conversation <laughs> because because you can't fire volunteers, right? I mean, there, there's nothing like church volunteers. You know, they're, they're, they're God's gift to the earth. But boy, it's sometimes very hard and political to make changes. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if you do it in love, in compassion, and, and trying to be pastoral, I'm convinced that if they are still striving after God, they're going to hear it in a way that is pleasing. That is a way that they're hearing it in a way that is compassionate, that is constructive. Um, because let's face it, we all know that around the country, there are people in the liturgy right now serving that really maybe shouldn't be serving. Uh, and that, yeah. that's hard. That's hard to hear. It is hard mm -hmm. to hear. Um, and that's something I heard. I, I, I remember I remember exactly where I was. I was at a, uh, a conference in Rhode Island. Uh, and long story short, the, the presenter said, you're going to have to have those hard conversations. If you're going to build God's kingdom, then sometimes you're going to have to have hard conversations. And that's going to be with volunteers and with staff. Um, and if St. Paul and St. Peter can do it and argue with themselves and still love each other, then we can too. Um, and I, I, I wish every traditional organist and, and chanter would go to a contemporary worship class. And I wish every contemporary worship leader, musician would go to a class on, on Gregorian chant and organ playing. Mm -hmm. Because they find themselves so entrenched. It's, it mm -hmm. is my way or the highway. Right. So when I talk about education or eradication, it's like, there it is. Mm -hmm. You know, don't tell me you can't play Matt Maher on the organ because I will prove you wrong. <laughs> I, will, I will prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, when I talked about baby steps uh, at the parish I'm working at, of course, the pandemic, the pandemic changed everything for everybody. Uh, but before mm -hmm. the pandemic, we were we were actively uh, meeting with young people. Uh, again, being in youth ministry, I, I had the opportunity, but we had a lot of musicians of young people in the parish. And so every Wednesday afternoon, we would have Sacra Musica. And I didn't care what instrument they played. I didn't care if they never learned an instrument before. We set it up in blocks. So I might be teaching an instrument or, or we might have an ensemble. But all of them talked about the church documents, the church teaching, mm -hmm. learning, learning contemporary pieces, as well as learning traditional pieces as well as learning the roman missal chants um mm -hmm. and at one point we had over 25 kids showing up every wednesday of all different ages and, and backgrounds and um again what i i would really i challenge every music director to say talk with your faith formation director talk with your uh, youth minister talk with your pastor because uh you have an opportunity to start when they're young mm-hmm you know, and I think that's where I think that's where we're going to see a great change in our liturgy is is looking at the generation coming. And I'm not ruling out my generation, generations before me, but sometimes we get so entrenched in, well, this is how we did it. We're the post-Vatican II. We have our banners and our guitars, and that's the way it's going to be. And I'm like, oh, there's so much more. Or and and yeah. I, I I'm going to harp on this. It's and or you can have beautiful liturgy depending on a, a multitude of factors and and it can be done 
Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's where those baby steps come in. Um, no, definitely. Um, when, uh, you know, so I was sharing before uh, we started uh, about my experience of being brought into the church um, when I was received at the Easter Vigil. And it was at uh, Jesus Church in uh, Milwaukee, downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. At the time, there was a phenomenal organist, John Weisrock, uh, who led the choir. And absolutely, I mean, he, he would do chamber music, you know, uh, concerts, everybody from all over the place came. And he blended with you know, Father Rock O'Connor and Dan Schutte and guitars. And, you know, I mean, I still remember we had timpani, you know, during the, you know, it's a little bit out of the box, but during the creation story being lectured, being proclaimed, you have the timpani, you know, of the wind across the water, you know, kind of thing. And I'm going, you know, and, and it was, you know, somewhat of a theatrical production in that regard. But the fact was, is that it was all designed in order to uplift all of us into the moment of the liturgy. And that was what everyone was attempting to do. And it's something where I know that it can happen if we're open to it. And then you get all the gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit in the community on display uh, rather than just one or two. And, you know, I, I absolutely love, uh, you know, lo- love what you uh, were doing uh, beforehand. I-, I so encouraged, um, you know, I played trumpet uh, beginning in, uh, in seventh, in actually sixth grade and um, played uh, in a band and then also was in an orchestra, you know, and it's just like, it's different music, but I loved all of it. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that is such a, such a gift that we can give uh, to, to everyone uh, that, there's a time and a place for all of it, um, you know, but education. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's as a, as a music director, I've spoken with others and that, that question comes up all the time. How do I empower, uh, other people who play other instruments? Um, how do I, how do I engage them with the gifts God has given them in the liturgy? Should they be open to playing? And, you know, my first, my first statement is, well, you need to audition them that that's your in and that's your out. Right. So, and, <laughs> Uh, The second part is, is that there are so many resources out there that can help guide the music director on, okay, I have a kid who plays baritone. What the heck do I do? Mm -hmm. I have a girl who plays violin. I have, you know, oboe. Um, Sometimes it's easier to say, well, you know, that, that instrument doesn't serve the liturgy. Okay, well, okay, that very well may be the case, but I would say nine out of 10 times, there is ways that it can enhance the liturgy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we had a little bit, we had a quartet. Our, our quartet was violin, tuba, flute, and trombone. Now, <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah, your reaction is spot on. Your reaction yeah. is spot on. Uh, and yet, I'll never forget this. The pastor was walking by and he, and he just, he, he peers in and afterwards he goes, I never thought Gustav Holst, uh, oh God beyond all praising, which is based off of Jupiter, uh, I never thought it would sound good <laughs> coming out of those four instruments. But again, mm-hmm. is there an authentic heart there? Um, and mm-hmm. anybody listening, if you have questions about how do I get random instruments, band instruments utilized in the, in the liturgy, shoot me an email. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, again, this is more practical in the weeds, but if you're not familiar with Song Select, uh, it is run by uh, CCLI, which is a, a big publisher, and, and uh, they they will do auto transposition for you. You know, so you, you get a very traditional hymn, holy, holy, holy. You can put it in any key for any instrument. It's there's so many resources out there, Christine. It's crazy. So I digress. Oh no, not at all. So since you said they could shoot you an email, go ahead and just share it right now. I will put it in the show notes, but go ahead and share it. That way we got it. <laughs> sure, sure. My email is uh Justin Deary Music at gmail.com. Okay. Awesome. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, um, you know, in our own diocese, uh, just because we are similar. In fact, we, we used to share a bishop. So uh, Bishop Baker. Yeah. So he's now retired. We haven't have a new bishop, uh, Stephen, uh, Father uh, Bishop Stephen Reka. Mm-hmm. He, he, he came from Michigan. So uh, th- this has been uh, <laughs> this has been quite the change for him too. Sure, um, sure. you know, come come in someplace differently. But um, I, I think it all comes back to do we desire with our heart to be authentically, as you said, undignified yeah. for our Lord? Are, are we willing to do that? And in order to do that, I think sometimes that means that, hey, we mess up, we do our best, but we keep trying. Um, Amen. And is it universal? You know, is our, mm-hmm. because the argument here is if I went to Africa, Mexico, where have you, there's all various cultures and the church doesn't negate, doesn't throw away the culture. No. Uh, you know, Pope Pius twelfth, the 12th and the 50s, you know, specific, or 40s and into the 50s and John the 23rd, they talk about the importance of the culture and mm-hmm. that the, we are in the world. We're not of the world, but we need to recognize it and that it can still bring a sense of uh, uh, universal understanding that what we're doing is holy. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that our liturgy is going to look different in Central America, in Africa versus the United States. And um, I think, again, there comes pride, you know, is that, well, this is how we have liturgy in the United States. Okay, that's that's great. But is Jesus still present in the Eucharist? Did transubstantiation still happen? You know, was the word proclaimed? (laughs) You know, we have to we got to look at the bigger picture instead of having tunnel vision. Yeah. And and you, you are so correct. Um, and I, I think that's probably one of the things that I really hope for, you know, my audience, you know, with, with this podcast is that, you know, together, you know, we're on the journey towards, you know, sanctity. I mean, you know, we're, we're on the journey to holiness and we don't want to leave anybody behind, you know, so we can't be in our silos. We can't be judging. We can't be, you know, going up, oh, nope, you're not included. Rather, it, you know, we have to be that one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And to be Catholic is to be universal. Um, and uh, so it, it's, a, it's a beautiful reminder that we're called to that in all things, um, particularly within the liturgy and especially within music. And it, it's not a, as you keep saying, and or, I always talk both and. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's never an either or. It's always a, a both and. Um, and, you know, so it, it's absolutely beautiful, the work that you're doing, and uh, so appreciative of it. Um, but if you were to leave people with, you know, kind of one thought that you want them to walk away from your talk, what is your great hope that, that they would walk away with? Mm-hmm. 
That's a great, great question. Uh, my one hope is that they would be drawn vertically into the liturgy, into an authentic sense of worship, uh, whether that be in silence, in music, what have you, that, that we understand that it's Jesus there present in the Eucharist. Uh, I think that is our greatest challenge today when two-thirds of active Catholics don't believe that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. That is our, uh, our, our greatest responsibility as servants in, uh, in ministry, that we can draw people into deeper relationship with the one true God through the Eucharist. Mm. Amen. Amen. Uh, and uh, uh, at, at, you know, it, it's something that it, it breaks my heart anytime. Um, I mean, so we, we've uh, we've got the family of where you know we've got the uh, uh, the nuns uh, in our own in our own family, our, our own uh, boys, uh, for whatever reasons they have chosen uh, to to step away, and it's something of where it breaks my heart. Uh, but on the other hand, it's something of where I know that it's inherent upon me and my husband to be living that relationship and to witness to it and its transformative power in our own life so that then hopefully and and i and i know the battle is won <laughs> so but but hopefully it's in my lifetime that i get to see it um and and not not on the other side but it breaks my heart to see that for everyone um that they don't know the great love of our father um and and that's a part of why i do what i do right. to help inspire and, and encourage people and accompany them you know to knowing uh you know that god created you because he loves you Amen. Uh, and he wants nothing more than to than to love you and the liturgy and music is that beautiful way for us to be able to respond so uh wow so thank you. Uh, I, I definitely, uh, I've, I've so enjoyed our time together. Likewise. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward uh, to crossing paths because I will be reaching out. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Ask, you know, uh, with, with our, our young people. Um, and uh, we just brought in a, a new musical, uh, a diocesan musical minister nice. uh, in, into our diocese. First time that position has ever uh, been had. So uh, my hope is, uh, and what I've seen so far is that he's trying to do what you're doing. So maybe that's the connection uh, we do for you guys. <laughs> well, I, I would love it. I, I, I so wish more dioceses would have a active office of worship and uh, a, a, a director of, of, of liturgy and music that, that can be a resource for for other music directors at the local parish level. Uh, it's needed. It's yeah. needed uh, because there's such a great responsibility that we have. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the art of the church, sacred art, sacred music, uh, it needs to be done well. And, mm -hmm. and uh, we're called to greatness, you know, yeah. uh, even yeah. in our brokenness. We're called to greatness even in our brokenness. So. Well, I believe it was Paul who said it's in our weaknesses that God's glory is shines through. So uh, praise that. God for our brokenness so that God's glory can shine through. Indeed. So, uh, but amen. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and I've so enjoyed our conversation again. And I look forward, as I said, uh, to uh, continuing the, the discussion and the conversation. And for everybody out there, you know, I encourage you, go 
and you know go and really challenge yourself to expand your own experience of liturgical music. If you're only are going to the guitar mass, um, try going to the, the organ mass. If you're only going to the organ mass, try going to the guitar. Um, and, you know, and if you've never experienced Gregorian chant, oh my gosh, you're missing out on something. Go on to YouTube <laughs> and just listen because uh, there, there's nothing more beautiful uh, than uh, Gregorian chant done well. But uh, thank you again, Justin. It's been great. And for uh, for all of you, again, in the Say Yes to Holiness uh, audience, continue you know, to do whatever it takes so that we can together become the saints that God created us to be, so that together we can tell the master of death, not today. Everyone have a, a great day, and we'll be talking with you again soon. So what might be some resolutions that you could take from the conversation that I had with Justin today. Well, one of them is for you to challenge yourself to something new. Listen to a new genre of music that you might not necessarily ever think about listening to, or perhaps uh, you seek to uh, play a new instrument. Uh, if you've ever had that desire, then to pursue it, or uh, at a minimum for you to be open to listening to the opinion of someone else who is perfectly convinced that the only kind of music that can be liturgical is chant or contemporary or traditional or wherever it is that someone's coming from. So to be open to something new and to challenge yourself to have a hard conversation with someone a difficult one. It might be uncomfortable, but to listen with open heart and mind so that we truly can strive to bring about this integration of musical genre so that we can celebrate the liturgy with the fullness and activeness and conscious participation that we are called to. Hey everyone, Christina Simmons from Say Yes to Holiness here, and I just wanted you to think about what is it that you are doing to take your next best step in order to become fully who God created you to be? Are you doing all it is that you can in order to become all of the unique and unrepeatable person that God created you to be? Are you walking in beauty and goodness and truth? Are you remaining firm in those commitments you've made to put God and family and friends first? Are you deepening your relationship with God, becoming more like Jesus? Are you solidifying participating in a community of friends around who you can become the saint that God created you to be? Well, are you really, really yearning for this? If you are, don't put off until tomorrow what your heart is yearning for today. Because now's the time for you to embrace the life God created you for. Keep your eyes on him who loves you beyond measure and desires for you to be with him for all eternity. Today's the day to take an action. Today's the day for you to say yes. So say yes and book a consultation with me today. Go to sayyestoholiness.com forward slash L-E-L Camino. 
Again, that's www.sayyestoholiness.com forward slash L-E-L Camino. Thanks again for spending time with me today. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please leave me a voicemail using the link in the podcast show notes or message me through the Say Yes to Holiness Facebook page at Say Yes to Holiness through my website at www.sayyestoholiness.com or send an email directly to me at christinasimmons at gmail.com. I look forward to the opportunity to continue the conversation we have begun here. In the interim, please know my continued prayers for you and your loved ones, especially that each of us may continue to strive to do whatever it takes in order to grow in holiness as we continue to tell the master of death, not today. I look forward to having a conversation again with you soon.